0: there and welcome to First Take, a podcast ministry of First Reformed Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm Assistant Pastor Jim Curtis here with my senior pastor Brent Horan to offer you our take this week on the new podcast name. So Pastor Brent, let's talk the new podcast name First Take. Where did it come from and what does it mean?
1: Hey, Jim, it's really good to be back with you again this week. And uh, yeah, the name First Take. If you remember last week uh, from our podcast, we sort of threw that name out at people saying, hey, throw us some names, give us some possibilities of what you think this podcast should be named. And we received a lot of good um, options and sort of took uh, the similar themes that people had sent to us. And out of that comes First Take. Um sort of what it means. I guess the obvious one is first. There were many people that used first in the title or in the name of the podcast, and even you and I agreed that it'd be good to use first, since that's the name of our church, First Reformed. And then take, uh, you and I are going to sit here each week and ask each other the question, hey, what's your take on that? And so people come to our podcast, they're going to be getting the take or the takes of the pastors of First Reformed, so therefore, first take.
0: Yeah, and I really hope the first take is really just a fresh take on a foundational or um, really ancient doctrine uh, from the Bible, uh, kind of explaining who we are, why we do what we do, more importantly, who is God and why has he done for us what he has. But We're not just here to talk about the name. I want to talk about our take on the resurrection today. I want to ask really just four questions to you about the resurrection and get your take on these. Uh, Because this last Sunday was Easter. And um, in the Easter season, we we practice one of my favorite traditions. He is risen. And then people respond, he is risen indeed. And I think we should do that every day. get into that. But I want to talk about the resurrection because it's so important. And I think now more than ever, we need to dwell on the resurrection, not just because last Sunday was Easter, but I think that's important too. So Pastor Brent, give me your take on the resurrection. First question, is the resurrection even important?
1: Well, the resurrection is absolutely important because without the resurrection, we don't have Christianity. If Mm -hmm. uh, Christ is still in the grave, as Paul says uh, in First Corinthians 15, we are the most to be pitied, what we believe, what we think is important in this life, what we think about our destiny, what we think about the meaning of life. If the resurrection is not true, then we really do, as Paul says, we have no hope, both in mm-hmm. this life and the next. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the doctrines we should be emphasizing um, every Sunday for sure, maybe a little extra on Easter Sunday. And it should be the doctrine that's in our hearts and in our minds. Um, every day when we wake up, Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed.
0: Amen. So let's get beyond the obvious nature of that question, right? Like, of course, we as Christians, we would say that, that it is important, but I find it really interesting in, in kind of our our typical dialogue with other Christians. we We tend to not emphasize the resurrection so there almost seems to be this um impractical idea um that that the resurrection isn't really that important to continually bring up i mean just to put it in in context here how often do we talk about the cross mm. and the death of christ for example in comparison to the resurrection right when we talk about uh you know somebody comes and asks us we uh, uh you know how can i be saved oh believe in jesus he died for your sins Right. Mm. We often don't finish that with, and he rose again, do we? Mm. Um, You know, some, we might eventually get there in a conversation and that's good. But in that sense, we're not really giving the full gospel, are we? Mm. So in what way is it important in, in, in that sense?
1: Well, it's interesting. Uh, looking back on my time in seminary, one of my professors, uh, Dr. Rod Culbertson, in our uh, one of our practical classes, one of the things we had to do was uh, write out a gospel presentation. And he always told us, hey, don't forget to mention the resurrection. He said it happens every year. People hmm. forget to talk about Christ being raised from the dead. They'll talk about his death. They'll talk about it, what it means but then they won't continue and finish and talk about that Christ has been raised from the dead for Mm -hmm. you as well. And And seminary students, right? And and those are seminary students. These are people who have probably been sharing the gospel, who love Mm -hmm. to share the gospel, are are walking into a life where that's what they do on a daily basis, what they proclaim from the pulpit. And so I think you're right. I think in many ways it's um, been not de-emphasized perhaps, but sometimes the resurrection is only used as showing that Jesus is who he says he is. It's just sort of evidence that, well, he was raised from the dead, so he must be God or he must be the Messiah as he promised. And as you and I are going to talk about, the resurrection means so much more than just evidence about who Jesus is or that all these things are true.
0: Right. Yeah. The the resurrection is obviously a miracle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not um, uh, it's not normal in that sense, but uh, it, it kind of functions, um, it definitely functions really in a different way than the rest of the miracles of Jesus, right? Mm. I mean, when Jesus turns water into wine, when he heals blind men, um, uh, you know, uh, even that story, when he heals the blind man after being asked, you know, was it his, his sin or his father's sin? And mm. Jesus is, no, it's to put the power of God on display, mm. right? Um, the resurrection doesn't function like that to just confirm the message, mm-hmm. right? Though it most certainly does that. Um, uh, the resurrection uh, is almost what it's all about, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. You, can't, you can't separate the death and the resurrection, right? Because without the death, there's no need for a resurrection, right? right. but with the death, there is the desperate need for the resurrection of Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I just find it interesting, particularly at Christmas, right? We talk about the incarnation of Jesus. Um, We talk all the time about how Jesus is righteous and holy and he lived what we would call an obedient life. We call it the active obedience of Christ. Obviously, we talk a lot about the passive obedience of Christ, which refers to his passion or the the event on the cross where he dies and gives himself uh, to God as a substitution for us. But then like that's kind of where it goes cold, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and even then, we talk about the resurrection, we say he is risen, he is risen indeed at Easter, but then what haven't we talked about now? The hmm. ascension, right? Hmm. Yeah. And the continual intercession of Christ at the right hand of the Father. Um, and so uh, I think Easter is a wonderful thing, a wonderful holiday to emphasize uh, uh, the resurrection. But I think you're right, I, I don't know that it's a matter of de-emphasis uh, so much as it is really just uh, us focusing a lot on the guilt, right? Mm. The guilt that we have when the resurrection promises us that we don't just live in that guilt, mm. right? Um, I think that's super important understanding the resurrection, that the, the resurrection is important, not only because of uh, union with Christ, not only because Christ goes as our forerunner, as the author of Hebrews says, but because it shows us that we're no longer guilty, mm. right? But I don't want to jump too far ahead because I do have a couple more questions here. So second question then, is the resurrection natural? Like, does it happen? Like, is it special?
1: (laughs) No, Uh, obviously, that's not natural. It's not normal. This is something that's so uh, supernatural um, Mm. that, you know, it's one of the things um, that if you're an atheist— you know, and what we teach, what we preach, what we proclaim and believe is that someone was raised from the dead. And if your mind only thinks about the natural things, that this world is all that there is and all that you can see, you know, God does not step in, there aren't miracles that take place, the resurrection would be definitely one of those things you would simply, uh, simply scoff at, you would mock it, you would think that is so ridiculous. And in, in some ways, I understand that. We do not see people rise from the dead. It simply does not happen. And to believe that everything about um, who we are, what we believe, what our future is, to be dependent upon this incredible supernatural event of somebody rising from the dead. If I'm an atheist, if I'm somebody who, who doesn't have any you know, inclination to believe this, I understand. I understand why they would scoff at it but it is true. It's what Mm -hmm. we believe. Christ is no longer in the tomb wonderfully. And just kind of jumping off some of the things you're talking about, how big is the resurrection? Well, it's the new creation. It's the beginning of it, right? So you think about some of the greatest miracles God has done. Some people will talk about God created. That's incredible, powerful, unbelievable, right? (laughs) Right. That God spoke everything into existence. Um, Maybe another one we would talk about, um, you could debate which one's bigger, is when Christ takes on flesh. That's Mm -hmm. a huge one, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've got the resurrection. These three just seem to be enormous miracles, powerful working of God. Um, And so... um, it's another supernatural event and the wonder of who God is that he does these things.
0: Yeah, and I, one of the reasons I ask that, again, obvious question, right, is because uh, in, in one sense, Jesus is natural, right? I mean, he has the flesh, right? We talk about the humanity of Christ. The fact that he is a human and died shows that he is that sort of uh, natural man, quote unquote, right? But the, the other thing to understand is that God doesn't become man. Like, that's not natural, right? Mm. In and of itself, the incarnation's not natural. Um, the, what we would call uh, the union between the, the two natures of Christ, right, that hypostatic union, that's not normal, Mm-mm. right? That doesn't occur in nature, right? Um, and so uh, the death of Christ, in many ways, is natural, right? We expect humans to die, right? Mm-hmm. We're even told at the beginning of Matthew that Jesus was born to die, right? right. So we expect that. But then I think it it emphasizes the importance of the resurrection, right? In that God, um, in, in raising Jesus from the dead, says, hey, this is important. Right? <laughs> he says, this is special. This doesn't normally happen, <laughs> and that should grab our attention, right? Um, and so that kind of goes back into our last question, uh, in us talking about, you know, we emphasize the cross, we emphasize uh, 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 Jesus being a substitute for our guilt, and the, and the wonderful and the wonderfully tragic thing that is the passive obedience of Christ in dying for us. But at the same time, right, uh, the fact that this is not natural should grab our attention in the same way, hmm. right? Um, and it, it, it should be pressed upon us because it's so unnatural, hmm. right? I almost think of, um, you know, you're you're having a conversation between me and you, right? And all of a sudden you hear Katie's voice True. come out of my body. That's not natural, right? It would grab <laughs> your attention, wouldn't it, right? Um, dead people don't come back to life. no. And so when he does, we should probably listen to him. Right. That right. probably means there's this important thing going on uh, uh, in, in the life now, the new life, really, of Christ. Okay, so in a related question then, is the resurrection physical? Uh, uh, we talk a lot about how Jesus was a physical man. He died right on the cross. There were nails, literal nails in his literal hands, physical nails in his physical hands, uh, and in his physical feet. Um, but did he rise again in that same body? Did he rise again in a different body? Did he rise again in a body at all? Is this a physical thing or is this just kind of Jesus is now in his spiritually glorified state floating wherever he Hmm. wants to go?
1: You know, I, I think this goes to one of the questions that, um, I tend to ask just to sort of get some conversation going with some people is, uh, is Jesus, uh, right now, God and man Mm. is Jesus forever. God and man. And, Mm. um, there are some in the church that don't realize that Jesus is forever, both God and man, the incarnation Mm. in a sense was something permanent, something that will be forever that way. And so Mm. when he's raised, um, For that to be true, he must be raised physically as well. Of course, there are people that have come along and tried to say, no, it was just a a spiritual resurrection or even just the idea of resurrection or whatever it was. But if Jesus isn't raised physically, we have no hope of physical Mm. resurrection because our physical resurrection is connected to his. Mm. And you think about all the, the proofs that took place. They saw him. He ate fish with them. They Mm -hmm. were able to touch him. They could see his scars, touch his scars. Now, his body was different because he could walk through um, Mm. doors and appear in certain places. Um, But if it's not physical, Mm. we still have no hope. Mm -hmm. It has to be for us to have life in him because we're physical beings. Right. And we need to be raised. Like if we're in Christ now, we've been raised with him spiritually, of course, but we're waiting for the physical resurrection at the mm. end of all things that he's promised to us. And he is the first fruits of all of that. And so um, our hope is at the end, since we're physical beings, since we're body and soul, um, our final abode is body and soul in a resurrected state mm. with Jesus.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that that passage uh, uh, in Luke 24 is worth reading. This is Luke 24, beginning in 36. And as they were talking about these things, the, the disciples, Jesus himself stood among them. Hmm. Right? It the gospel writer Luke here doesn't really tell us like how or, you know, what like did right. he just kind of disguise himself and then walk in or what happened here? And I think that that... that potentially lead to our understanding that Jesus is here, just a spirit that he's Mm. risen spiritually from the dead, but his body, you know, it's disintegrated. It's not a big deal. Um, So I can, I can understand that, but you just keep reading here. And he said to them, peace to you, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Right. So there again Mm. uh, uh, is, is this idea that maybe he's not physical. And Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? And why did doubts arise in your hearts? Now, what is he asking there? He's, he's saying, you know, you're uh, startled, you're frightened because, you, you know, you think you're seeing a ghost, right? Uh, uh, and Jesus is saying, don't be troubled. Don't let doubts arise in your hearts. About what? He continues in 39. See my hands and mm. my feet, mm. that it is I myself. And then he adds to this, touch me mm. and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. Mm. And then later in the passage, he he actually asks my favorite question: "Have you anything here to eat?" <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, spirits don't eat, Brent. Right? Right. Who, who's um,
1: who's um, um for whose benefit is that question? Right? Exactly. Is he hungry? No. You know, and it's interesting thinking along these lines that if Jesus only had a spiritual resurrection, why do we keep being shown the empty tomb? Why mm. does that even matter? The angels mm. could have shown up and said, hey, look, the body's still in the tomb, but Jesus is raised. He's raised phys- uh, mm. spiritually. No, no, right. no, no, no. The reason we have to see the empty tomb is not that somebody had to come down and remove the stone so that Jesus could get out, right? The reason mm. the stones roll away is so we can see his body is gone and it's in his mm. glorified, resurrected state, and he can still eat with his right. uh, disciples wonderfully. And he will. And he, and he will. promises
0: that he will. That's right? Right. In, That's right. In the giving of the Lord's Supper in Matthew 26. That's right. Okay, last question then. Is the resurrection practical? Now, we've kind of hinted at this the whole time, so don't be afraid to kind of just grab stuff. But in what ways, I'm just going to answer the question, yes, it's practical. So in what ways, right, is the resurrection practical?
1: Well, I think uh, the, the first place my heart goes, with regard to the resurrection, it's it's not just about evidence, not just about those things. Is I really focus in on Romans 6 and Colossians mm. 3, where mm. Paul is talking about, um, in a sense, our resurrection in him, right? Mm. We died mm. with Christ, and we were raised with him to walk in newness of life. Paul is uh, predicating the our newness of life. Our life right now is based on... The resurrection. Hmm. You probably read my blog. I I talked about how the Easter is. We live in the time of resurrection. We Mm. live in the time in which Christ has been raised. We have been spiritually raised, and the life we now live, we live in Him, as Paul says in Galatians 2, right? We've been seated in the heavenly places. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. And so one of the first practical things is for us to um, think of ourselves, consider ourselves alive, alive in a true sense based on the resurrection of Christ. I Mm -hmm. think this is often missed. Even reading uh, Romans 6 with some people, they'll think of it as, you know, Christ died for you, so go live uh, now a holy life. The basis for your holy life, the basis for you pursuing holiness is because Christ is alive and because you're alive in him. So one of the first places I like to go is that discussion that Paul has, how important the resurrection is for us walking in holiness, being made more like
0: Christ. Yeah, and that gets back to even uh, uh, the conversation we we're having earlier, right? About the the dwelling in the guilt, and we need mm. to hear the cross and the cross and the mm-hmm. cross, right? Paul says you're dead to that, mm-hmm. right? You died with him mm. uh, uh, that day, right? You mm-hmm. died that day, right. and and uh, uh, you know the idea then to to kind of just dwell on one rather than the other just gives this completely incomplete right gospel that's not a hopeful message hmm. right yeah i think that's that's important you know what other ways might might it be practical
1: well the second place that my heart usually goes is thinking future i the bible does this all the time pushing us to our eternal future with the lord jesus christ And what's that state look like? It's a resurrected state. It is our bodies have come out of the ground, and we are now made perfect as he is. Whereas now he is the resurrection. He partakes of that resurrected life that we are headed toward. I think dwelling on that Christ is alive— And having our hearts sent to the future gives us hope and strength and faith for today. We see this all over the Bible. Even today, as I was writing the blog for uh, 1 Thessalonians, he's talking about the hope that is yours in Christ, your steadfastness of hope. And it's Mm -hmm. looking forward to the time When you have that full, new, perfect resurrected body, no aches, no pains, Mm. uh, no sadness, no tears, all the various things we could say. And why is that true? Because Jesus is not in the tomb. Mm. That's why we have that. And so the resurrection is so central, not just to now, as we talked about, just holiness. It's central to the future, but the thinking on that affects how we live today.
0: Mm. Yeah, the new heavens and the new earth, uh, if I can put it in a different way, isn't get, like quarantine. It's, it's not right. like lockdown, right? Like, it. we're not going to be separated. We're not going to be Zoom calling each other. We're not going to be pulling out our iPhones and whatever. Um, those are, though those are nice, like now, that's fine. Um, but the new heavens and the new earth are distinctly uh, uh, a physical gathering hmm. of God's people, right? right? Um, you said it earlier. I think this is a, a, a point worth repeating. Humans are essentially physical, Mm. right? A part of what it means to be a human is to have a body and a soul, Mm. right? Um, The Westminster Shorter Catechism question 22 says that Jesus has a true body and reasonable soul, right? Jesus, in other words, he has arms and legs and fingers Mm. and toes and a nose and ears and everything like we do, right? But he also took upon himself a human soul Hmm. he took upon both the spiritual or like the non-physical right Mm -hmm. and the physical and so i'm reminded of that really famous um uh, saying from uh ancient church fathers right that which is not assumed Hmm. is not saved in other words if jesus doesn't take some aspect of us uh, like to himself in the incarnation like if he was a body without a soul or just a spiritual being without a body like neither of those things would be saved Mm mm-hmm and the reason that's important is because we are both body and soul, right? I'm, uh, I'm remembering now a, a quote um, that that I just absolutely can't stand, but it's very famous now, where it says, you are not a body, you are a soul, you have a body. Well, no, you hmm. are a body and a soul, hmm. right? Because that's how God made us. He, he instituted humanity in Adam as a physical and spiritual being, hmm. Right. And so if without the resurrection, without us being physically resurrected, we wouldn't be us. Hmm. Right. Hmm. It wouldn't be you. It wouldn't be me. But the other thing is, uh, and this is just a personal thing for me, the, the, the effects of sin affect my body. Right. I was born with a defect in my left eye. OK. Hmm. My left eye is all sorts of messed up. Right. It's like two, 2,600, Right. Or whatever. And so without correction. Right. It, it literally my brain has told it to float to the left and down. Like, I'm not kidding you. So I have to like cross-eye myself to make them point in the same direction, right? Mm. If, if, if Jesus didn't do this, right, if Jesus didn't come and get rid of the ceremonial law and cleanse me, you go back to Leviticus, I wouldn't be able to be in the temple. Mm -hmm. I would not have been able to serve God in the ministry of the priesthood or whatever that would look like, right? I would never have been allowed to do that. This body would never have been allowed to be in the presence of God because my birth defect signifies the effects of original sin. Mm. And so in the new heavens and the new earth, I have the hope that my eye, which ultimately is not that big of a deal, right, in the grand scheme of things, but that my eye will be healed. Mm. I think of all the people uh, who have um, Downs, who have cerebral palsy, who have all manner of these sorts of things. Jesus' resurrection speaks to those people, mm that there is a healing and a new body waiting for us mm-hmm. in the new heavens, and new earth. And it's all because he rose again from the dead, right? That he has, he already has, like you said, that new created new creation body, uh, in his resurrection. And I think that's fantastic. Is there any other ways, uh, that, that the resurrection speaks to you specifically, or even, uh, another aspect to the resurrection, maybe we haven't thought about worth mentioning.
1: I think one other way that comes to mind is uh, the Lord's Supper. Hmm. You know, we think about, um, we gather around the table, we have the words of institution, we have the bread and we have the wine. And, um, you know, we read the words of institution that say, you know, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And often the death is at the center. In, In many ways, you have the body broken, his blood poured out for you, all those things are true. But then the question comes, but who are we feeding on? Mm. who is feeding us, Mm. it's not a dead Savior. right? It is the resurrected Lord who is meeting us at the table. It is His life that we are feeding on Him, the whole Christ that we are feeding on. Mm -hmm. The resurrected Lord is over this worship service. He's over this table, and He is nourishing His people. And so, you know, we think about meeting at the table. It's it's death is there, but it's the resurrected Lord Mm. that we're meeting with.
0: That's right. He says, uh, "I love Paul in the word of in the words of institution." He, he says, um, "When you drink of this bread, uh, drink of this cup, and eat of this bread, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes." Right. Right. The resurrection is is all throughout that. But not only that, Brent. What do you eat? The body. Right.
1: Right. What do right. You, you, what do you? eat? Right. a um you don't. You know, we're not. Catholic. We're not transubstantiationists or anything like that. Um, But we believe Christ is present. That's right. Um, That we believe we do feed on him by faith um, and all of who he is for um, all of that we need.
0: Mm. Amen, brother. Hey, he is risen.
1: He's risen indeed.
0: Amen, brother. Thanks for your take on the resurrection.